Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, an occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses, including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome, OT entrepreneurs. I can't wait to introduce today's guest to you. Like, I can't wait. Like, bated breath, people. Like, grab your favorite beverage and hunker down. Now, I tend to be more of a coffee, latte, espresso, paste kind of woman. This guest suggested wine, and then we figured out it was a 10 in the morning recording, and then suggested tea. This is more her pace. So enjoy it. Let her thoughts and vibe envelop you people. It's warm bliss. This guest represents her rural East Coast of Canada upbringing and her current rural West Coast British Columbia attitude. Any guesses yet? This incredible OT has a history of practicing pediatrics, has been a birth coach, and supported OTs in women's health, and most recently is leading the OT community in bringing digital products to our profession and marketplaces with a heart-led approach and encouraging OTs to go rogue. I'm sure there's other things in there that I've forgotten because she's just so multi-talented. Have you guessed yet? Not yet. Okay, she's got red hair and her dog's name is Cedric. The wait is over. This OT was my business coach for a year and has helped me completely shift my business from a random idea of bringing an online toileting course to teachers in my brick and mortar clinic, I'm laughing now, to this full-time OT coaching business job that I have and this career and this passion. So ladies and those handful of gentlemen, join me in welcoming Melissa LaPointe. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) <laughs> How many times I was trying to not laugh, laugh out loud during your intro. <laughs> I think that might be my new litmus test. Like how many times can I get? <laughs> so for the record, people, I did not know this intro was coming. <laughs> That's true. We should preface that. <laughs> Good. I'm sure there's other things I could have highlighted, but this was my like flow of ideas as I wrote your intro. So 
I like it. And I, I had a good chuckle. Trish, I forgot about your toileting course. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, way back when. Yeah. Oh, that, way back uh, when. I mean, I, I remember the work we were doing in terms of peds and in terms of your clinical practice. And, um, but I forgot that was the program, the initial, mm-hmm. you know, from discovery call through mm-hmm. to client acquisition. That was mm-hmm. what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Like a and now flash, of the flash from the past. How times have changed. Yeah. Okay, Melissa, let's jump right in. How yes. do you get paid? I get paid in part because I have learned to confidently and assertively ask for my value and Mm -hmm. attract people who are willing to pay it. Nice answer. How did you get there? Oh gosh, how long do we have? Uh (laughs) (laughs) You can can note that and talk, bring it around later if you'd rather. (laughs) So more specifically, I coach heart-led OT entrepreneurs in building relationships based businesses in the online space. So if you were to look at, in a nutshell, where the majority of my revenue has come in the last year, that would be what the focus is on. And what was that moment? Like, you have such a varied, varied history. Like, I actually had forgotten about the birth coach thing until very recently when somebody had called me and was asking me about different products they could put out there and that kind of emergency necessity? Like, is there ever a time where an OT needs to be on call? And then if this is the case, how do you structure your business around that? And they know you as well. And they were like, well, remember when like Melissa used to be a doula and used to have to, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'd completely forgotten about that. So you are so multifaceted. What was that fist on the table moment for you where you decided that this is where you want to land for the next iteration of your career? Well, first of all, can I just voice my appreciation for you referring to me as multifaceted as opposed to crazy ADD brain with commitment issues? <laughs> so I sure. really like your spin on this. I got it. <laughs> anytime, you. I'll, I anytime you want that text in the middle of the night, like Trish, help my brain. I'll reframe it for you. So in part, in the beginning, I think for many of us, when we're first getting started, we say yes to all the things. And I was no different. So saying yes to anything and everything that lit me up, also really searching for validation and really searching for approval. So I said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was not sustainable. So birth coaching was one. You know, I had been a birth coach for a beautiful soul who was in labor for a week. I was also a birth coach for another beautiful soul who was in labor for four days or for four hours, Mm -hmm. but it was really challenging to build a business around that. And, Mm -hmm. and I knew, you know, I was doing it because I was passionate about it and wanted to keep one foot in the door. Um, I really limited how many clients that I took. So, you know, I recognized that that was not, especially with a young child, not a lot of family support and a husband who doesn't have flexibility in his job and who works shift work birth coaching really was not sustainable. But there were a lot of pieces to the puzzle that weren't sustainable. So how I came to doing what I do now was in part an active practice of letting go of things that were not serving me and that were not helping to propel me in the direction that I wanted to go with my business. So simplifying and you know, it wasn't easy. It was a lot of digging deep, doing some soul searching, really getting clear on my core values, on the direction that I wanted to go, on the impact that I wanted to have, you know, letting go of some of the things that I loved 
one-on-one -on -one coaching, for example, we can talk about that and the shift that I made, but really had to recognize, okay, you know, I only have so many hours in the day. I only have so many hours in the week. And if I want to have a bigger impact, and if I want to really lean into what I feel is my calling, then I have to let some things go. Also from a business standpoint, when you get to a stage of your business where you are scaling and where you are building systems and processes for specific offers, you recognize that you can't do that for 14 offers. Mm -hmm. And the deeper I was going with my signature program and with core offers, I was recognizing that. So I did a lot of really, again, letting things go letting things go and, and being okay with that. And it didn't come lightly. It was something that I had to take a lot of time, a lot of soul searching and a lot of reflecting to do. Tell us a little bit more about how, you know, you talk about the soul searching, you talk about finding your signature offer, you talk about letting things go. Can you give us a bit more how-tos, whether it's through courses or meditation or books that you read? Because I'm in that space too. And I think so many people are with everybody, like so many OTs that I meet are those ideas people. And at the core, we really do want to help. So what are some practical things that you did that helped you get there? Gosh, the list is long. Yeah. Personal growth. I mean, personal growth is something that I have always leaned into. You know, there's a reason why sometimes people think I'm a bit too much, not in the therapy world, the therapy world, people generally appreciate my passion for personal growth and development. My husband, not so much. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, here we go. But, you know, books, personal growth and conversations, you know, that's mm -hmm. a big one. So really surrounding myself, my circle's pretty small and mm -hmm. surrounding myself with people who like to lean into these difficult conversations. And I have a number of those people in my circle and yeah, it's really my brother being one of them, you know, mm. my brother and I have really been leaning into a lot of difficult conversations in terms of childhood, in terms of how we were raised, in terms of both of our journeys on in recovery, in terms of, you know, there's been a lot of conversations and he he's equally fascinated by personal growth. So that's mm. been very eye-opening to have a sibling who has ventured into the world of entrepreneurship because no one else in my family is an entrepreneur. So that my brother and I have that in common. We've had a lot of really deep conversations. Coaching is a big one. You know, I cannot do the work that I do without investing in either a coach or a therapist or both. I have not had very good success finding a therapist, but I have had good success finding a coach. Now, for anyone listening, I do think that there is a differentiating factor. There are times when we need a therapist. And I've had times where coaches have supported me, but we know, you know, it would be ideal if you had a therapist. Mm -hmm. But I've had a lot of really amazing coaches and I've been part of some really strong programs where this is as much part of the conversation in terms of growing your business from the inside out, in terms of identifying beliefs that are no longer serving you, in terms of rewiring your thought process. You know, that's been as much of the conversation as systems and finances and marketing. So, yeah, you know, it's been a journey, that's for sure. But when you keep surrounding yourself by like minded people who are, equally fascinated by this journey of personal growth and development, well, you step up and 
no, that's been a lot of what I've been doing. So having the tough conversations, really opening myself up to, you know, we never, we never know everything ever, 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 you know, we're, we're only on this world, you know, in this world for such a small, small, infinitely small amount of time. And that was being a student, you know, forever learning. But again, books, podcasts, conversations, coaching. I don't know if there's any particular course. I've taken courses. I would say the ones that have had the biggest impact are usually ones where I know the instructor or the facilitator in a more intimate level, whether I've Mm -hmm. done coaching with them or they've been part of my program in some capacity. So I have that no like and trust factor really built in and I'm willing to do the uncomfortable work because that's part of it. It's, it's really uncomfortable. You know, it's not like you're sitting back with rainbows and butterflies everywhere. It's really uncomfortable. And maybe that's why I became attracted to the work of therapy in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's really something that glutton for punishment. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's always been something that fascinates me. I agree. And I think that's why the more that I dive into this topic, the more I'm fascinated that OTs, in my opinion, should be natural entrepreneurs because of the way that we are educated, because of the way that we seek to help clients in a wide variety of ways because of the self-reflection that comes with, you know, right from school when they were like, you know, how do you think you did on this assignment? That self-reflective piece and the fact that it's an art and a science. And you answered a bit more with the art answer, right? As opposed to this science answer of like podcast one, episode B, a book titled blah, blah, blah. And I just think that when we give OT entrepreneurs permission to embrace both of those sides that I think are in almost every single one of us OTs, pretty amazing things happen. Well, and so much of entrepreneurship is about problem solving and- Mm -hmm know any health professionals who are good problem solvers? Well, the, <laughs> the OTs sure are, right? Like it is a natural fit for so many of us. I agree. Totally agree. Let's talk a little bit about time. I read a stat recently and it kind of blew me away in terms, hey, it's Trish. Now that I've got your attention, I wanted to tell you about something that we are really excited about here at OTs Get Paid. This month, we are kicking off our formal systemic organized, planned, woohoo, referral program. With every referral of somebody that you bring to us that purchases one of our two signature programs, Road to 100K and 100K Club, we give you money. We're leaning into it. We're leaning into our brand and we're going to get you paid. At this point, we are offering $400 for people who refer someone who enrolls in our 100K Club mastermind and $250 for somebody that enrolls in our road to 100k program. But we're not stopping there. Your referred member will also get access to a bonus Q&A Zoom call every month that we are doing just for new referred members with our coaches. It's going to be Q&A, ask the coach anything. How are you going to do this? The best way to do this is to connect with us via email or through DMs. We're keeping it really simple for right now. And we're saying, hey, here's their deets. Do you want us to call them? Are they going to get in touch with us? And as long as you mention each other, we will 
connect you and let our system wheels spin and they will get their bonuses and you will get yours. And I want to remind you, we are a company with a mission. It is to bring more wealth to more female OT entrepreneurs because we know what women do with money. They use it to better their families and they use it to better their communities. So for every dollar that we generate here at OTs Get Paid every year, we give away 1% of our gross income to Dress for Success, which is a charity, an organization that's dedicated to empowering women towards financial independence. I hate to use the term win-win-win. Somebody has a better one. Please let me know. But we don't want you to keep those benefits to yourself anymore. We want your referral partner to win. We want you to win. And of course, we have a social agenda here at OTs Get Paid. In terms of... How much time one should spend on deliverables, how much time one should spend on, you know, building the business and admin. Have you heard that stat before or seen it written in a different way? Does that resonate with you at all? I'm sure if I did, I blocked it out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I'm going to bring it back. (laughs) What percentage, because, you know, there are people that we've interviewed that have a few different types of businesses, whether they have a side clinical hustle that pays for their OT entrepreneur business, or, you know, in the case of one of our first guests, Laura Park Figueroa, she has multiple entrepreneur business. And you are an example of somebody that has one business right now, which is great. So I'm curious with that hat on, if you can quickly think what percentage of time you spend on the deliverables versus the growth of the business versus the admin. So do you want me to answer this where I sound good or do you want me to be completely honest? Oh, totally. (laughs) Well, and that's what I think is so fascinating about it, right? Because I personally, I'm fascinated by it because I had no idea that I wasn't supposed to spend like 70 plus percent on my deliverables. Yeah, And the reason that I ask this too is I think it really underscores, and I know that you're making this shift. I'm making this shift away from, I mean, I've made the time for money shift anyways because of I'm bundling and pricing things as expertise, but I haven't moved away from the shift of like, it's still the Trish show. Mm-hmm. And yours is not entirely the Melissa show anymore. And I'm fascinated by that. So that's also where that question comes from. Yeah. All right. So if I'm being totally 100% honest, I have no flipping idea. What I can tell you is I've invested a heck of a lot of money into a business advisor to try to work with me on tracking time. And I resist it to no end. (laughs) So, you know, and again, this speaks to my, my ADD brain. I really struggle with time tracking. And I feel a little sheepish saying this because I also emphasize the importance of at least doing a three-day time audit, having an idea. I do spend time going through planning my week. There was a point when I was working with my business advisor where she really, you know, we were trying to block out certain parts of my schedule. She wanted my schedule full where I could really see where my time was going. Mm. And I hated it. Mm-hmm. One of my core values is freedom and mm-hmm. to, you know, I hated it. Another thing about me is I can procrastinate on things. And mm-hmm. then, you know, honestly, somebody goes to bed and can look at something and they wake up the next day. I've had this happen where they wake up the next day and I have a website built out <laughs> you know, or I have a course created and published. 
So I can procrastinate. And then when I decide whatever that light switch is into productivity, and I, I'm pretty good. I, w- I won't say I go manic. I'm, I go hypomanic, but I control it really well. And mm. I can get so much done in such a small amount of time. It's mm. quite unbelievable. So I'm also guilty of doing what I love. And Mm -hmm. sometimes even when I know that's not what I should be doing, or that's not where my Canva thumbnails, it's the ongoing joke. Outsource, please outsource that. Not for me. I love it. It is one of my favorite things to do is play around in Canva. I would say 99% of anything you've ever seen of mine, I've created it because I'm, it's fun. It's like my coloring contest when I was a kid. I am shaking Um, my head right now because I literally have this exact same conversation with Kelly Casey Bynes pretty much once a month. I'm like, why are you literally the exact same conversation? I'm like, why are you doing your Canva? And she says the (sighs) same thing. And I love it, but I'm also, I'm good at it. You know, that's the other Mm -hmm. piece is I enjoy it. I think I was a graphic designer in a past life. Mm -hmm. But when I look at my time, I mean, I have been cutting back more and more. There was a period like 2018, 100% addicted to work, workaholic, was Mm -hmm. numbing because, you know, through work was staying up way too late was because it was an outlet, you know, maybe not the healthiest, well, healthier than some of the other outlets I've had in the past. Now I would say in 2020, I've been working pretty reasonable hours. I spend a lot of my time in my zone of genius. So doing what other people can't do, Mm -hmm. you know, other people can't do my one-on-one coaching. Other Mm -hmm. people can't do my group coaching in the way I want. That's Mm -hmm. not to say I'm working on that for 2021 to have more coaching support. That's not just me, but for now I'm still, you know, the coaching piece is still me. In terms of client acquisition, there were parts of that I'd thought of outsourcing, but especially the latter portion of 2020, I really leaned into that and was doing my launches in a very different way, but in a way that served me and I really enjoyed it. So again, it was a lot of time, but what I have gotten better at doing is outsourcing the back end. So I do the coaching calls, but then that's it. I'm hands off. My assistant comes in behind me. She timestamps, she puts the notes, the highlights, she uploads, she gets the thumbnail, my template that I created, but she gets the thumbnail Mm -hmm. and uploads and then posts the link. Right. So little things like that, that I'm constantly aware, what am I doing during the week? And does it have to be me? Is this a CEO task? Is there any way that I can outsource this? And that's not to say I outsource it immediately, but the brain starts churning in terms of, okay, what would this look like in three months from now? If you were able to let this go, if you weren't doing this, you know, really looking at some of my offers, some of my programs, some of the things that I do, how can I continue keeping this feeling light, feeling fun, feeling, you know, it's, I love it. And in order to make sure that I still feel that level of reward from my work, what can I do to, you know, what feels heavy? And so I've been doing a pretty good job of letting go of the things that feel heavy, or at least getting a system in place to transition it off of my plate. So again, coming back to the time, a lot of my, I say a lot of my time. I mean, if you look at my calendar, I don't have a crazy calendar and intentionally I used to, and I, it, that was something that felt heavy. Freedom mm-hmm. is a core value. Why would I want to be committed to my calendar like that? So now a lot of my weeks, you know, a lot of an ideal day for me would be a group call, And then maybe the next day, a one-on-one call where I have a ton of freedom in how the rest of my day plays out. 
It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's what works for me and it really is what helps with productivity. But again, coming back to that time audit, oh, that's something I have, you know, great big F for me. I've tried multiple times. I cannot follow through on those damn things. Well, you know, what I appreciate so much about your answer is that you framed it in a way through your honesty and thank you as an ADD issue. And yet through the coaching that I've been doing with OTs and OT entrepreneurs, I find not all, but you don't have to pathologize it in that way for you maybe, but if anybody else is having this resonate with them that doesn't have this diagnosis, I hear this again and again. And I believe that OTs need to be given the freedom to reiterate one of your core values, that they can build a business that works the way that they need to and that they have. And so when I get people that come to me, they kind of have, not everybody, but often people have this kind of sheepishness in saying, hey, you know, I've built this huge business. I have seven-figure revenue. I have all these team members. I have two locations. And yet I have no idea where I spend my time. And as a coach, I don't want to shame them either, right? Like it's very much that. And the crux of what I love that you said is, great. So continue to do it your way, but let's find out other ways of keeping you in that zone of genius then, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, that's been such a leading statement. You were the first person that taught it to me and I've heard it since then in other places. But I just think that encouraging OTs that it's not like one program, one fix, one book, one strategy that has to be, and you can't see my air quotes right now, but that has to be implemented in order to be a success when plenty of OTs have already been successes. And so let's find out how to automate, delegate, or delete parts of it for them to keep them in their zone of genius, but it doesn't have to be a cookie cutter way. Absolutely not. That's my biggest pet peeve is when I hear people say, you have to do it this way. Yeah. Such such BS. Well, and it's one of, to be honest, and then, you know, I don't want to make this interview about me clearly, but it's one of the reasons that I have hesitated. I share it in case anybody else feels the same way. It's one of the reasons that I haven't quite figured out what my next leveraged program is going to be because I I don't want a course that's going to just be a, on an evergreen funnel that is like, I'm going to promise you that you can 3x your revenue because I don't, mm, yeah, I, there's something there's there's something that's stuck in there for me. Like I still feel like it can't be that straightforward yet for OTs. Like I think do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I think it need, there's I something, do. yeah, there's something that I, I hesitate because I think I've also seen OTs push back on that. And I hear you. And I, what I want to point out, and this is, this is my coaching hat, kind of <laughs> you know, the difference between you and a lot of other OTs who are trying to make a transition to entrepreneurship is that you can say you're stuck, but that doesn't mean you stop. That Correct. doesn't mean you are becoming totally inactive and you're waiting to figure it out. That is the difference between an entrepreneur and an OT who wants to create a program and who's struggling. The entrepreneur will not stop. The entrepreneur will say, okay, I don't have it figured out, but I'm still going to show up and I'm still going to, you know, you're still moving forward. Even if it's not great, big, giant leaps up a mm-hmm. mountain, you're still mm-hmm. moving forward. You're still, mm-hmm. and that's how you figure it out. You know, you don't become stagnant and wait until perfection comes. It never mm-hmm. comes. It's messy. And that's how you become successful as an entrepreneur is you lean into the mess and the chaos and know that you'll have those moments of clarity. Sometimes you won't, 
but sometimes you will. And when you have those breakthrough moments, it's all worth it. I totally agree. And just to highlight the mess, before you came on, you saw the video, I'm calling it now Studio C. Oh, and you saw my room. Yeah. (laughs) So you're coming in live from Studio MB, which is Max's bedroom. And I'm coming to you live from Studio C, which is my closet. And my special guests here are my denim shirt and my, what's next? My striped bateau top. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk. I love this, Melissa. Let's talk more about how people just continue to show up. And that is that definition of entrepreneurship. Even if it's messy, even if you're coming from your son's bedroom, even if it's hard. And let's segue that into the income and impact goals you had for your company. Let's kind of get into the nitty gritty with that forward thinking. Like what were the income and the impact goals that you had for Melissa LaPointe Corp, OT's Gone Rogue Corp this year and then in five years from now? All right. So my income goal for this year was 300,000. So that was my big, hairy, audacious breakthrough year income goal. I didn't hit it. That does not mean I'm a pandemic. (laughs) I don't understand, Melissa. Uh, well, so first of all, I set my income goal well before the pandemic. Clearly. <laughs> so that's part of it. <laughs> yep. So when I joined my coaching program, so I signed up for a coaching program for this year and I signed up at the end of October. Mm-hmm. And one of the first exercises- End of October 2019, do, right? 2019. Yes. So end of October, 2019, I committed to a 12 month program that started in- the end of November. Mm-hmm. And one of the first exercises we had to do was around our impact and income goal and what was considered a breakthrough year. So a breakthrough year for me was $300,000. And so for those of you listening who are not familiar with different ways of goal setting, so looking at three different goals, your breakthrough, your your big, hairy, audacious goal. And then your, yeah, this is a win goal. And then that bottom, like, eh, I'll take it. It's good enough. So my big, hairy, audacious goal was $300,000 this year while working less. So we did not hit that goal. And that's okay, everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I am detached from my goals. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of OT school, we are so committed as therapists to those goals. And if we do not hit those goals, oh my goodness, where is the gap? And we, you know, oh, it's catastrophe. As an entrepreneur, I've learned to detach from the goals. I set the goals. I stay focused. I have a strategic plan working towards them. But when I do not hit them, I'm able to, to, and it's not easy, but I take a step back and where did we fall short and what were the lessons? Because those lessons are what I then carry forward. So now the year's not over at the time of this recording, but we're going to be sitting at about 110,000 for revenue in 2020. It's going to be, you know, roughly what our revenue will be at this stage of the game. And I'm okay with that too. You know, I'm perfectly okay with, you know, having my six figure year as an entrepreneur and with the pivots and with the way, and during a pandemic, when I also was homeschooling for part of the year Mm -hmm. and trying to keep it together in many ways. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Does that 110 represent any of the other goals you talked about, I can't remember the language that you used, big hair, audacious goal, which is Jim Collins, right? And then mm-hmm. what were, how did you phrase the other two? Like the meh goal. And then what was the middle goal called? So the middle goal was my, you know what? This is a win. Okay. And so win I'm, and then kind of meh. 
Yeah. And this is a win. You know, I'm perfectly like, Hey, I hit my six figure goal. Great. You know, and we hit it. Like I knew we hit it in in November. So we had revenue coming in. I knew I'm like, cool. I, and I didn't take my foot off the gas. I was like, no, we still have, because again, coming back to the impact. Mm -hmm. So in 2021, goals are looking a little different. So my big, hairy, audacious goal for 2021 is 600,000. Wow. My, I'll take it as a win goal is 300,000. And my meh goal is 160,000. Wow. Amazing. And what are the subsets to that goal? Because you did allude to earlier that you wanted to work less. And I think it's important because it also starts to talk a bit about your business model, Melissa. So tell me how that 600,000 big hairy audacious is different from the 300,000 big hairy audacious of 2020. Other than just math, like what else do you want? Focus and clarity. Mm -hmm. So really we've gone all in on our group coaching and mastermind program. Mm -hmm. And I've transitioned out of one-on-one. I still do one-on-one within the context of my group. So there are ways I'm incentivizing the program. There are going to be ways, there are ways that I still will continue doing some one-on-one, but within the context of the group. So I'm no longer offering one-off sessions. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer offering one-on-one support. So in 2020, therapists would have me on retainer and that would include access to me through Voxer, through email, and then so many one-on-one strategy calls. And so I've transitioned away from that. Mm-hmm. That was a hard one because mm-hmm. I adored it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. But what I found my capacity for the type of coaching that I do and the level of intensity yeah. that I really go into it with, um, 10 people, you know, 10 people was the mm-hmm. max that I was able to, to carry. And I wanted to work with more therapists than 10. And, you know, so I really had to recognize and as I I thought, okay, I'm going to get it down to six. So as people were moving on, transitioning out of my Mm one-on-one, I wasn't filling their spots. Mm -hmm. And And, and then it got... I'm hypothesizing some people, I can't, let me think. I don't know who. I'm hypothesizing some people hung on like a dirty shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, though. Like it was a... It was a mutually almost, codependent relationship. I, okay, good. I almost, I'm glad you said it. I almost want like the sad cred of being like the one that you had to like kick off the ledge. Like, you know what? But you weren't alone. And it's no, still, I know. Thank like, you. Still, Thank you. you know, I pine for it sometimes. And yeah. it's, but part of it, you know, again, coming down to the systems, coming down totally. when we got down to three people, you know, it just the systems, the back end, the customer yeah. support, things were starting to fall through the cracks because we were going all in on our group. And Completely. that's when I started to recognize, oh, wait a second, you know, to offer these one offs, it is more challenging because we don't have, you know, it's not something we talk about during the team meeting anymore. It's mm-hmm. not something that we cover during customer support because it's just something I was doing on the side. So it, it started to not serve me, but it didn't serve my clients either. You know, it was really something I had to really commit to. The other piece to that though, you know, in our one-on-ones, so often we feel like we are the only one struggling. We are yep. the only one with that particular issue. And, you know, I was the keeper of the secrets. And so often it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, 
I, of course, it's confidential, anything we talk about in our one-on-ones, but it was always, there were so many similarities. There were mm-hmm. so many themes, whether you were just getting started, whether you were multiple six-figure entrepreneur, there were a lot of themes. And I knew that there would be some challenges in, you know, how we can create that level of intimacy and connection in a larger group program. But I was willing to lean into that challenge and find different features, find different ways that we could still facilitate that sense of connection, that we could still, you know, even in the way we launched the program, it was done not in a typical way. It would, there were a lot, lot of touch points in there how sure we were. people into this program. I and I'm okay those. with that. Yep. You know, I'm this was okay no automatic that. press a button. Yeah, this was yeah. like a lot. No. I thought of that too. I thought like, wow, this is very high touch in that transition. Yep. Mm-hmm. It is. And the caliber of therapists we've been able to bring into that program because of that level of high mm-hmm. touch is worth it. You know, I do a free 30 minute strategy call for anyone who, not anyone, it's application only at this mm-hmm. point. But for anyone coming in, we do a free 30 minute strategy call, no commitment. If it's not the right fit for you, that is totally fine. You know, use my brain and I will bless and release after that call. Mm -hmm. But if it is the right fit for you, you know it, I know it. Mm -hmm. And the energy coming into that group is on a different level. Like Mm -hmm. so worth that 30 minute investment at my end. Absolutely. Hands down. Good. So let's circle back to the income goals in five years. And simplifying. So because... It's been so simple, Melissa, spit it out (laughs) with our, so I just want to touch on the programs for 2021 and then I'll go into the five years. So we have our group coaching and mastermind, and then we have two learning intensives. We're working on a third that are more evergreen in nature, where if you're not quite ready to commit to a coaching mastermind program, or maybe you want to dabble a little bit, get an idea of my teaching style. We have learning intensives that we're setting up where you get access to the content. You do not get access to me. You do not get access to the community. So you get access to the content. There's a lot in there. It will blow your mind in many ways. And then you can decide, oh, you know, this was great. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. Hopefully sign up for another coaching or mentoring program in some capacity or Yes, I love Melissa and her wonky ways, and I'm going to go in that direction too. (laughs) So really keeping it simple. And in five years' time, if you would have asked me this at the beginning of the year, my answer would have been different. It's so true. But in five years' time, I want to break seven figures in part because I have been told so many times that... OTs aren't seven-figure entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I want to flip the middle finger to people so many times when they tell me that. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for women, you know, there are not a lot of seven-figure entrepreneurs who are women. And there needs to be people, am I going to succeed or not? I don't know, but I'll put on quite the show trying. It'll be entertaining. You know? <laughs> so it's something that, you know, it's a challenge. And again, Will it happen? Will it not? I don't know. But that's part of the journey, isn't it? You know, that's the goal. That's the big, hairy, audacious goal. And we're going to keep moving forward. So I used to say, no, no, I don't want a big team. No, no, no. I don't want that much responsibility. No, no, no. I want a simple life. Whereas now I'm recognizing that, hey, having a team is not so scary. It's a different role. It's a different way of being. It's a different way of scheduling your calendar. And instead of coaching one-on-one, well, I do more coaching with my team. And I like it. You know, and it's challenging. Oh my goodness. You know, stepping into that leadership role, it's been a process. Talk about messy, talk about complicated, 
talk about, again, a whole Pandora's box of my own stuff that's come to surface. But I'm recognizing, oh, you know, this is part of it and I'm ready to lean into it. That's incredible. I'm going to go on the record. May I? Hey, yes, it's my show. <laughs> you, you may. <laughs> Thank you. I give you permission well, on your I'm show. I'm still to- codependent. Melissa, <laughs> <laughs> can I set this? Can I say this? <laughs> Oh, brother, that was weird. Okay, so I'm going to go on the record and say that you will hit seven figures. And I know we're not supposed to be attached to goals, but too bad I'm attached to yours because I'm excited. Before five years, before 2025. That's my, uh, I'm on the record of saying it. Whether it happens or not, no pressure, just I'm saying it. You know, in terms of wealth, here's the other piece. So six figures used to be this like, oh my goodness, will I ever hit six figures? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, you know, six figures... Yeah, it's great. I still don't pay myself a ton. You know, my next step is I need to pay myself six figures and not feel guilty about it. Exactly. But seven figures really in the grand scheme of things, if you look at multiple revenue streams, if we're talking about this from a financial health and literacy standpoint, if you look at investments, if you look at having a seven figure portfolio, that's not that absurd at all. Like if anything, I think it's something we all need to really lean into. I totally agree. Yeah. So that's something, you know, again, surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts on, you know, I'm very interested in real estate. I'm very interested again, what could these different revenue streams, this portfolio look like? Because as an entrepreneur, I don't have the golden handcuffs. I don't have the pension. I don't have the retirement plan. I have a cash cow in some Mm -hmm. ways, you know, I have this opportunity, but it has to turn into an investment Mm -hmm. in the future. It has to become a long-term investment and really taking it to the next. I used to get so uncomfortable talking about money Mm -hmm. and that's part of it too. You know, financial health and literacy. Hey, we've got to talk about it. And if we're going to have money as a tool, we need to release some of the power we've attributed to money in our lives. So yeah, that's part of what this seven figure journey is going to be all about for me is really letting go of some of my money stuff. I'm just like beaming over here. And in fact, I mean, that really is the essence of what I'm trying to do with this podcast, which is one of the reasons I jumped on this name when it came to me, because I want it to be a bit in your face. Like I want it to kind of be a little bit break the taboo. I want it to be a bit like, Oh, what? OTs should get paid? And I agree because once you look at a six-figure business, what is your take-home still, right? Like, you know, my 2021 goal, sorry, I'm having to remember what year it is in quarantine, is actually, you know, it, it's it's not just a six-figure goal, but it's a six-figure goal of what I get paid, like what I actually get paid every month. And I agree wholeheartedly. And I've noticed that Quite a few of the people that I follow in podcasts and online are beginning to talk about this now. And maybe it's law of attraction in the sense that as I started to think about it, I saw it more. Or maybe it's like when you learn a new word and then you like see it everywhere. Or you figure out who Sean Mendez is and then you like start to see Sean Mendez videos <laughs> everywhere. I don't know, just me. Okay. <laughs> so I just think that that is really on point right now with what I'm seeing put out there. And I'm telling you the stigma behind being a woman and by being in healthcare. And I mean, I'll take it one step up. I'm a single parent. You live in a rural community. Like there's so many 
extra X's we could put beside it of why we should be talking about it or even thinking about it. And I really am so grateful that you brought that up because talk about surrounding yourself with like-minded people. If people balk at the price of your program, if people balk at the price of my program, you said it earlier, like it is a blessing release because it's not that I'm trying to alienate people. And I'm honestly not being pie in the sky. Like I've given this lots of time and lots of investment that it is possible. And that's part of what this podcast is all about is to inspire and give tools. And I just think you're such an amazing inspiration. Like just, you know, there's people out there, Melissa, that thinking, and I I want you to think about who you were when you were like rushing to deliver babies and still having some peds on the side and starting this, right? Like you wouldn't have thought really that you would have been setting a $600,000 goal for next year, which is only 12 months, right? I think it's amazing, Melissa. I, so speaking of like chaos in the background, yesterday I was going through and cleaning and organizing. So doing, I don't know if people are aware when we're recording this, but I was doing some, some yearly wrap up stuff. And I found my journal from 2017, from the first half of 2017. I found, so in June, when I still was oblivious to all of life's curveballs and, you know, again, it was really, dealing with a lot of guilt in terms of letting go because I was contemplating letting go of some of my community work and dealing with the guilt around that and dealing with the guilt around, I was looking at all the different things that I was doing, my brick and mortar, my online business, with my birth coaching, with my peds work, trying to get more supports, trying to train more behavioral interventionists in our community because our community was short. And I just, oh, my heart goes out to that girl. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, sweetie. Yeah, it's, it's just this, you know, this constant pull. And I think so many therapists would relate to this. You know, are we doing it for ourselves? And when we're not, you know, just this whole concept of being selfish. Right. Right. And well, you should, you know, why did you get into this? And, and, oh my gosh, talk about not sustainable, the things that I was doing because I felt like I should, because I was a good person, because I was giving back and guess was at the bottom of that totem pole. Totally. Yeah. It's scary. And you've really helped me with that. And I needed to get to a certain level of being surrounded with people in your coaching program and then one-on-one with you and then a lot of the tools and resources you gave me to surround myself with to the point where I'm actually comfortable enough with myself. And I'm so glad you said the word good person because that's what flashes in my head. Like, honestly, I am so happy that I am such a good person that I can put a podcast called OTs Get Paid out there. And if there's somebody out there, and I guarantee there will be, that is like, well, who is she think she is? What about the, you know, what about the EI kids in the, you know, inner city of Houston? Like, okay, it doesn't mean that I still can't want this for me and other OTs. And I think that, and you know, another thing that I always kind of fall back on in my head is like, dude, I'm an Enneagram too. Like I'm the ultimate helper. Oh, the Enneagram. Enneagram. I know, but I I know for some reason it kind of just gives me like my age and my station in life and the things I'm learned from being with your group and then being with others and coaching relationships. And then my silly Enneagram kind of, I make up like replies in my mind to emails that I've never gotten. (laughs) Like, Like right? Like, no, no, I'm still a good person and I can still talk about 
making money as an OT. I, I still find that boggling and it's taken a long time for me to embrace it. And I can hear that in you as well. And if we, if this episode and this conversation helps people out there that are like, oh, good. Cause that's been like a secret thing in my gut. Yeah. So be it. Right. The Enneagram. <laughs> Here we go. I struggled. Here well, we go. You know, I struggled with that one. I love hearing other people talk about the Enneagram, but I like, that was one of those assessments that I took that yeah. I was all over the board. Um, uh-huh. So do you, do you want to take a guess what my most dominant type? I'm so bad. Okay. I don't know all of it really well. Um, I'm going to say a seven. Yeah. Yeah. Oh! You got it. Yes. You got yes. it. You got okay. it. Do you know why? And then my second highest score. Because I, I'm raising a seven. Well, so I, but there were parts of it when I read the seven and I was like, eh. yeah. So the seven, and I just pulled it up because I, I was okay, like, what cool. is this? So yeah. I was the seven and then my second highest score. So the seven, yeah. I wasn't very high. It was I'm just gonna dominant. Guess. Can I guess the second highest? Well, you're not going to guess, but okay, oh, try. <laughs> what is it, an 11? Something we've never heard of? <laughs> Okay, do you want to hear it? Guess, go. Of course I do. I tied two, oh. five, nine, and three. <laughs> oh yeah, I never would have guessed that. I was going to guess nine or three though. Talk about a mosaic of things, right? And I think maybe that's why I had a hard time. Cause I was like, what, Holy what do you mean? Lord. I'm, you know, I just, and I can resonate with bits and pieces of all of them. And maybe yeah. that's why I have such a hard time being pegged down to one thing. Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> well, and that's a seven in a nutshell too. Like I need my freedom. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> don't, don't peg me down, lady. I'm raising a teen like that, right? So on top of it, I'm like, okay, uh, yes. you're a teenager yeah. in quarantine and you're seven. I, I didn't you understand should, when my mom used to say like, <laughs> oh, I just, Melissa, I never wanted to crush your spirit. Totally. And I didn't really get, I was like, what did she mean until I had my child? And mm. saw, I was like, oh, oh <laughs> the feisty ways. Thanks, mom. You know, and really trying to honor that without crushing their spirit. And no I didn't kidding. really get it until I had, until I had my own feisty redhead. I was like, oh, there we go. And your mother sat back and giggled. Ah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Smiled. (laughs) There was a smile there somewhere. I guarantee it. Yes. So before we head into kind of the like rapid fire questions at the end, because we could talk all day and Mm. I, you know, this is the thing about OT entrepreneurs. So many of us just click and I'm conscious of the fact that I'm not sure people are going to listen to two hour podcasts. Maybe some people do. I don't know. I do. I do too. And actually, it's a little bit of a litmus test out there to see. Yeah, I'm not going to like, I don't have a stopwatch. Like, I'm more of a planner. I'm a two, three. So I definitely have that like planning, like, "Mm, mm, 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 mm." it goes like this, it goes like this, and we do this and we don't stop and blah, blah, blah. And at the same token, again, when you detach from some things, it's like, oh, I wonder, it's also an experiment. Like, am I actually trying to get the most listeners? Probably not. I would like to see what is best for the audience. And if the audience is resonating with longer podcasts, then so be it. But anyways, there's an example of some internal tension in my world. So before we go into the rapid fire questions at the end, we have alluded to money mindset, money mindset, money mindset. I feel like it's talked a lot about, but it's a question that I want to ask each guest because I think it can't be underscored enough, especially on a podcast called OTs Get Paid. Mm -hmm. 
So we've talked a lot about it, but if we could kind of narrow it down a bit to like one of the biggest hurdles or the biggest hurdle that you had and then how you overcame it. Gosh, and she wants me to keep it quick. Um, No, I don't. I'm not saying quick. I'm saying funnel. I'm funneling us into the end. There's no time. You know, again, this ties into one biggest hurdle. I think giving my power away to money Hmm. is a big one. You know, oh, if I only had more money, I would have more freedom. If I only had more money, I would have more independence. If I only had more money, I would have a stronger voice. If I only had more money, I would have better programs. If I only had more money, I would be more confident. And really recognizing that money doesn't give me that. Mm-hmm. That is my, you know, really lean into how my perception and working on letting go of that. I know people with freedom who do not have a lot of money. I know people who are happy who don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I know people who have a really loud voice in a good way, you know, a strong Mm -hmm. voice who don't have a lot of money. I know people who have a lot of power in many ways who don't have a lot of money. So they don't have to equate. They don't have to, you know, money doesn't give you these things. So that was one that I really leaned into. Another one. So last year, it would have been about 14 months ago. It was the end of September. I was doing a money program. And what really stood out for me was, you know, he said this one sentence and I wrote it in my journal and just had to pause the recording. Mm -hmm. It was a self-paced program. No one is coming to save you. Mm -hmm. So at that point, there was some tension in my marriage and there, you know, was really looking at, I didn't have the level of independence that I wanted Mm -hmm. and I wasn't accepting responsibility for the situation that I was in. Hmm. So I really leaned into that and said, you know what, for better, for worse, this is the situation you're in. You're going to own it. This is not anyone else's doing. This is your doing. And I really wanted the independence. You know, I really wanted, um, and in part, it came from the tensions in my marriage. You know, I just mm-hmm. thought, wow, I like I don't even have choices right now because I am financially stuck and this yeah. is scary. And I don't like not, ironically, as I really leaned into building my financial independence, my husband respected the work I was doing that much more. And a lot of the tensions, you know, it was actually the best thing for our marriage. Wow. But a lot of that you know, and, and just, just leaning, well, I keep saying leaning in because mm-hmm, it's not do. something, it's not a graduation date. It's not <laughs> something you just figure out and move on. You know, it sneaks up on me all the time. Mm-hmm. My default programming around money, growing up in a really small community where your community comes first, your church comes first, your family comes first. Mm-hmm. I still hear it. Too much money is a bad thing. What are they going to do with all that money? And there's a lot of judgment on if you have too much money. And so being careful of that, you know, oh, if I charge too much, you know, I'm greedy. What do I need to do with all of that? Why? Right. So being careful of the narrative that comes along with that, but the guilt and the shame. And then really, again, feelings of inadequacy and tying it into my self-worth. So I've, you know, I talked, that's not the focus of of this conversation, but so much of the last five years, I've really leaned into my journey 
in recovery and with alcoholism. So I come mm-hmm. from a like, I can't even count how many generations of alcoholics are in my family. It's mm-hmm. that pervasive. Mm-hmm. I grew up Irish, Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. French Catholic, and that was just part of our life. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, so a lot around, I am worthy, I am enough, right. you know, there's been a lot of this and it's tied into money as well. You know, if I don't hit my revenue goals, I'm a, you know, oh, I suck. If I, you know, my line of credit that I was carrying for the longest time meant I was not worthy because I had debt. Whereas now I'm much more detached from it. If I have a balance on my line of credit, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It means I have, I, it means that I am privileged enough to be able to have debt because a lot of people, you know, I was able to get a line of credit and it's a tool and I made the decision and I am responsible for where I put that money and it's okay. It's not a reflection of me as a human being. It is not tied into my self-worth in any way. And these are things that, again, I to be aware of the story, to be aware of the narrative, because I can say this really confidently, but if I am a little bit stressed, a little bit overtired, if I, you know, certain people a little bit more triggered, boy, can I ever flip the switch and go back into, oh, I'm a, I'm a crappy person because of that, you know, because I didn't pay off my credit card in full this month. Whoa. You know, I suck. Who am I to say I'm an entrepreneur? Who am I to coach six figure entrepreneurs when I don't even have my Mm -hmm. own shit together? Right. And, but I'm really, again, I'm very aware and I coach myself a lot. You could also say I talk to myself a lot, but I like to say (laughs) I coach myself. Fair. But those are some of the, you know, some of the pieces. So I wouldn't say there's one big hurdle. It just, being comfortable opening that Pandora's box and talking about, hey, most of my life, I've given my power away to money and I'm really working on embracing, a, you know, what would a six-figure entrepreneur do? What would a seven-figure entrepreneur do? Seven-figure CEO, not to say they don't have their money stuff, they do too, but you have to use money as a tool. It is part of business. You have to use money as a tool, which means you really have to be aware of the emotions and the thoughts and beliefs that you're bringing to the table when you are using money as a tool. And, you know, it's an act of practice in detaching myself from that and really, again, financial health and literacy, you know, talking about it without breaking into a cold sweat and being okay. And talking about it, you know, there are some men in my life that I've, powerful women are not always fun to be around Trish. Mm-hmm. And that's part of it too, you know, is being okay and knowing who to talk to and knowing which conversations you don't have to be part of. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have to change everyone's minds there. I'm not a jackass whisperer. I don't have to. Right? <laughs> and I can put my time into having conversations with people like you and mm-hmm. people who are going to help lift me up and knowing that my success does not take away from your success. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I wish you could have seen my face because I went from like frolicky, funny to like getting kind of hit with all the feels and thank you. I think, you know, I've been debating how much of my own like real money story to bring to this. And it hasn't been a part of any of the episodes yet, but like how deep do you want to get? And it's not just vulnerability. It's like how honest do you want to get? Because the more, as I said earlier, the more that we talk to OTs, the more that I just hear again and again, like, well, I don't have an MBA and I don't have a business background. And you can add to that, like, you know, I have a line of credit or I have a six figure, seven figure business, but I don't pay myself as much as I quote unquote should. Like these stories are just 
just when you think you've hit one level of the story, there's more levels of the stories. There's more levels of those beliefs. And I just, wow, thank you so much. I feel like you've just kind of opened up a whole other pathway for people to hear and then for me to continue to bring really powerful stuff to this podcast. So thanks, Melissa. My pleasure. Anytime. (laughs) All right. So we're going to go to kind of rapid fire question, but I feel the tone is more like mellow questions. (laughs) So let's take like mellow contemplative questions at the end. What is your biggest personal money splurge? My biggest personal money splurge would definitely be, so I try to embrace the concept of minimalism, Mm -hmm. but I gear, so camping gear, biking gear, Mm -hmm. kayaking gear, it's not cheap and it's a big investment, but it's one that keeps me safe. It one, you know, it's one that it's not something I scrimp on. So I'm okay going with two pairs of shoes until I get my biking shoes. And until, you know, like I spent more on my kayak paddle than I have on any pair of shoes in my life. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Excellent. Well, and it also, you know, it also makes sense considering where you live. Like you are not downtown Vancouver, British Columbia. No. And when I do go to downtown Vancouver, British Columbia, (laughs) you've got a pair of shoes. I've got my one (laughs) pair of shoes and I'm not going to the trendy restaurants. I can tell you that. (laughs) Well, and so good for your mental health too, right? And it's, it's in line with who you are because all of that nature is right outside your back door in Williams Lake. How about your biggest business related splurge? I don't know if I, so it's not a splurge. If I look Mm -hmm. at my expenses, definitely the majority of my expenses come in I say manpower, woman power. So definitely mm-hmm. in terms of contractors and that's, you know, my team, that's by far the biggest expense for us. In terms of a splurge, I would have to say colored pens and sticky notes. My husband's ready to, <laughs> like we have the tiniest house and I have like two drawers just for journals and sticky notes. And I get like such a dopamine hit when I go to Staples and I get to pick out more sticky notes and more colored pens. But my, <sighs> I've noticed my son is picking up on this now. My husband's ready to lose his mind because we have a lot of colored pens in our house, but they're so fun. So you alluded to your team as being really like paid help in your business. What about in your life? Do you have paid or unpaid help in your life that really helps you focus on your business? Absolutely. Fun fact. I So for those of you who say you can't afford a housekeeper, I was still like at poverty level in terms of paying myself and mm-hmm. I started paying for a housekeeper. So mm-hmm. do not give me any of that nonsense. <laughs> um, so I have a housekeeper and that was, you know, oh, I still remember the day in June when the pandemic started to ease off and she texted me and said, do you want me to come back? I had never been so excited. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> so, me too. I'm like, nobody uh, so, can possibly wash the floors like they can, even though I'm on my hands uh, and knees. I still uh, think it's true. I don't even try. I don't even try. I did in the uh, pandemic. I did March through June. I really did. No, I picked up a paintbrush and started Renault's and made the house yeah. that much Oh yeah, I'm not that. doing it this one. No, I'm not doing it this yeah. time. <laughs> don't kid yourself. Oh, yeah. Now we live but in housekeeping. Muck, but- yeah. Housekeeping's a big one. So, you know, I have a housekeeper come, she only comes twice a week or excuse me, she only comes once a week for two hours. I wish she could come more, but she mm. comes once a week for two hours and it's glorious. Mm. And I am, so I have an executive assistant who does mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. And she has also, uh, so she's local to me. She was with me with my brick and mortar, but I kept her when I transitioned online. She's fabulous. So you know, I have the make it disappear bag. So I slowly fill it with stuff that I, you know, receipts papers and I just give it to her and she makes it disappear. She files wow. it and she figures it and out. And that's it. Know. That's for home stuff too. 
home stuff. Yeah. So we use HubDoc for our electronic filing system. Uh, mm-hmm. So she helps. She's the go-between for my bookkeeper. So if my bookkeeper can't find a receipt, my assistant's her first point of contact, not me. Incredible. Yes. So she has a locked filing cabinet in her office. Anything that we need to file, anything that's hard copy, she has it. I don't. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. If I can't find something, I go to her. She, you know, God forbid anything were to happen to me. She's the Mm -hmm. keeper of the passwords. She's Mm -hmm. the keeper of last pass. Mm -hmm. So all those little details, you know, accounts, she's the person. So, and I mean, she's helped me make crafts for Max's birthday. She's driven Max places. When I say jack of all trades, she's been amazing. She's actually helping me do some food prep for my mother-in-law for Christmas. (sighs) I'm doing her meals for two months or for two weeks. And she's helping me with that. So she's just, you know, I cannot say enough about her. I love her. But on that note, I am leaning into getting more help with food prep um, because it's something that I just cannot seem to get it together with. Mm -hmm. And I've just, you know, my husband's like, Melissa, it's called adulting. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to outsource it. (laughs) If I'm, we had this discussion about zone of genius, honey. Yeah. I love cooking, but the food prep and grocery shopping, boy, I struggle with that. So little things, you know, we're definitely working on bringing on a personal assistant to help with more of those, those little things. I have a bookkeeper. I have a podcast editor. Oh, you had said related to my life. You can go into business too. I'd be curious. In terms of business, I have a bookkeeper. I have a podcast editor. I have a VA that helps with the podcast. I have a VA that helps with customer support. I have a VA that does the processing of my videos, my coaching calls. I have a VA that does social media. I have a VA that does tech support. And a couple of those roles, it's the same person. Mm-hmm. I'm on the list for 2021. So we're about to put a job posting up soon for a project manager for our group coaching and mastermind program. So not a coaching role, but a project manager to help. There's a lot of moving parts at this point with the different yep. features we have. We also want to bring on a project manager for our affiliate program that we're rolling out in 2021. Mm-hmm. I have an interview this coming week with a copywriter in terms of our podcast newsletter. So I am all about, you know, as I grow my team, a lot of my time, it's crazy how much time goes into planning, program design, and keeping track of the moving parts. You yeah. know, just, yeah, it's a lot of it. So yeah. I'm just being aware of of what I can outsource. And things that I'm not necessarily the best person at. You know, that's the the other piece, right? I don't, I'm not the best person at doing this. So why aren't I outsourcing? So really looking at my control issues. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that OT jack of all trades education piece, I think does us in, in a way as entrepreneurs and being the person that, you know, it specifically, I can allude to pediatrics because that's what I did forever. And if the school is underfunded and you decide to go into your own supply to bring shaving cream and cotton balls from home, then if you've jerry-rigged a ton of, oh, yeah. you know, your clinical life on the fly and said like, I'm not sure I can how I can help this kid, but I'll give it a whirl. Like that all bleeds into, in my personal world, late night Canva sessions that are not healthy for me because I I'm not the Canva guru that you are. So yeah, again, and I think- And that's my my story in my life in terms of middle child and, Mm. you know, watch me. You know, my husband (laughs) goes, gosh, he's such a saint to live with me. Uh, But he'll go to work and I want to do a reno and he's, because I'm the one who does the renos. And he's like, no, no. You know, I remember once I wanted, no, I want to change the deck. I want to put new wood down on the deck. And he's like, well- no, like, let's not take that on. So when he went to work, by the time he got home, I had the whole deck ripped off. Wow. <laughs> so I, 
it's like, well, I guess we're doing it now. Um, That's happening. So, but that's, you know, I, you know, moving furniture, doing things that people are like, you can't do that by yourself. Mm -hmm. I've always had that mentality of you just watch me. Mm -hmm. You say I can't do it, which isn't necessarily a trait we want to embrace you guys. Exactly. (laughs) Just to be clear, I'm not bragging. I'm going to therapy for it. (laughs) This one oh is my be, be very, be very transparent. It's <laughs> not a, a, a feature that I, I would love to hold on to, but I do. I cling to it. It is part of my identity and I wish I could let it go. Your little line of security blanket. Yes. Fair enough. Okay. So if I could wave my magic wand and put seven figures into your business right now, as opposed to, I guessed in three years, it's just an injection of seven figures. What would you spend it on? I lean two different ways. So okay. first would be, I've never bought a private airplane, so I don't know how much it costs, but boy, <laughs> I would love to have one so I could travel a little bit, even if it was just to a deserted island where there's no COVID. Oh. To see some of my people, you know, yeah. imagine if we could do an international retreat and I could go pick everyone up and take them oh. to an island to quarantine for 14 days. So badass. again, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how much a private airplane costs. Maybe, maybe that's I think it's a share in an airplane at that point uh, with that coin. So that, that but would I didn't one. say how many uh, seven figures. Maybe we're in the high nines. True, true. Yeah. Or, or if I were to look, okay, there's the airplane, but if I were to pivot the other way. A whole bunch of really cool tree houses that we mm. could just hang out in. I love tree houses. I think mm. they're amazing. Yeah. And I'm like fascinated by all these eco lodges that are popping up where you can mm-hmm. go and you know, there's some really awesome tree houses. Mm-hmm. So I just sent my husband a picture last night on Facebook of a tree house that I had found. It was like a cabana that hung. Anyhow, I'm like, we yeah. need this, but we don't. We don't have any big, strong trees in our yard. So that kind of is good. One day, wait 25 well. years. <laughs> minor, minor issue. Wait 40 years um, and one will grow. I, yeah, I planted a willow tree. We'll see. If it doesn't take out the plumbing of my house, I'll get my tree house. <laughs> now that's a metaphor. That's a metaphor right there. <laughs> well, Melissa, this has been a total, total joy. I just think that you, when I think we're going to talk about X, we wind up talking about Y and it's so much deeper and more, I guess the word is influential than I could ever have come up with on my own. So thank you for that. And people will undoubtedly want to reach out and find you and connect with you to work with you. Why don't you leave us with where can people find you? Because this has been such an impactful call. It's been fun. I love these. So if you go to melissalapoint.com, you will find info in terms of our coaching program, in terms of our learning intensives, and then otsgonerogue.com. So that is our podcast and our Facebook community related to our podcast, which has been an exciting endeavor. Um, Yeah. So either of those, you can find my profile on social media, depending on the day, you may or may not find me. We're trying for communication channels here, people. What's the uh, funnel you want to put them in? I would say come to the website and, you know, it's a small world. You can find me mm-hmm. if you're persistent enough on social mm-hmm. media, you'll, you'll find me. Or like I said, if it's a day I'm like pretty keen on it, I usually make connections and then bring them off Facebook or Instagram mm-hmm. is how I roll. So I really enjoy those connections. I just prefer to do it on in a different way outside of social media. But usually that is where a lot of them start. Yeah. And then if you're in British Columbia or hopefully soon enough, I'll be able to get back to Prince Edward Island. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're passing through, look me up. I always enjoy 
giving people little guided tours and uh, yeah, that face-to-face connection. Gosh, and I think we're all at this stage of the game. So, you know, there's a big deficit in terms of face-to-face connection. Oh yeah, Yeah. there's going to be a lot of in-person OT entrepreneur summits in real life. I think you and Laura are planning a kayaking. It's going to be one giant party where it's going to be nuts. I think it's just as my child is aging out to go to university, my youngest, so it's going to be great for me. Like, sorry, I'm just going to talk about me. It's going to be perfect timing. Or if she's in her last year of grade 12, her last six months, I'll be like, sorry, you're parenting yourself. Good luck. Get some good grades later. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks again for today, Melissa. Much appreciated. Uh, Take care, Trish. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time.